Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. We exalt the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for that that's yet to be done. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles with us to Zechariah chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 10. It's been 38 years since we've started this church. And there are some things that the Lord's begun to deal with me about. I want our next 38 years to have a stronger emphasis on healing. And in that circumstance um, well I just want to teach you on the healing anointing this morning Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 then he answered and spake unto me saying this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying not by might but by power nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah in the Babylonian captivity. Cyrus was the king of the Assyrian Empire. And he allowed work to be started on the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And this verse of Scripture is telling us that God works his mighty power through the unseen spirit realm. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. When God speaks of his power being of the spirit realm, he then tells us how to access that power. Verse 7 is the operation or the exercise of authority by the words that you speak. What art thou, O great mountain, before Jerubal thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. Everything that we have through the new birth, through the sacrifice of Jesus, is a result of the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, but it's a gift, uh, the gift of God. So here where he's talking about shouting grace to the mountain. He's speaking of everything that belongs to us. Now in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. 
And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went under the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We keep running over these words, spirit, power, and anointing. And they are very closely associated. Now Jesus is reading from Isaiah and he's declaring that he has been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We think of brokenhearted as emotions, but that's not what this word means. This word is talking about a break, break or a breach in spirit. Every sickness that takes hold of man is a breach in spirit. It's a place or the point in time where the health of God is interrupted. So Jesus says that he's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You shall surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now we started off reading where Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him round about. Well, that has to mean then that he performed some kind of miracles or supernatural acts for there to be a fame that would rise up uh, for him. If they didn't have anything to, to exalt, if they didn't have anything to tell, there wouldn't be any story that was being told. So in that region roundabout, that must mean Capernaum, which is in this, that region of, the, of Galilee. Mark's account says he could not do any great work in that place, in Nazareth, his own hometown. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So when Jesus preached in Capernaum, and it would make sense that he would say the same thing or preach the same thing in the, uh, Capernaum as he did in Nazareth, they got results in Capernaum because the people believed what he said. But not in Nazareth. Now if we're talking about the healing and anointing and Jesus is saying right here again in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The word anointing means it's from the Old Testament and it means to spear, smear or rub on something. And when they anointed um, people for offices. They would take olive oil and they would pour it on their heads, signifying that the Spirit of God was upon them. But here Jesus talks about being anointed or being empowered by the Spirit of God. And the people did not take heed to what he said, didn't believe that he was the one sin of God. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed 
or empowered. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and of power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Here's Jesus being described by Peter. Speaking in Cornelius' household. That God empowered Jesus with the Holy Ghost. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Look with me to Matthew chapter 14. Verse 34. And when they were gone over they came into the land of Genesaret. That's Galilee. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. They sent out into all that country round about. And brought unto him all that were diseased. And besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. When the men of that place. This is in the region. Where Capernaum is. In the middle of Galilee. So here's a group of men. It doesn't make sense that they would have been priests. Because if they were priests, it would be something that the Bible would refer to us or make us aware of. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. The men of that place the men of Capernaum and, and the surrounding territory. When they heard of Jesus, when they had knowledge of Jesus, they sent for all the sick people in their country. It doesn't tell us who organized this. It doesn't tell us how they organized it. It doesn't tell us anything about paying the bills for getting all the sick people to where Jesus was. And notice it said they besought him. After they gathered up all the sick people, they besought him that they could only touch the hem of his garment. Now the word besought is a little difficult. It's pretty close to begging. It means to invoke or to invite. But besought takes a, a little different meaning. Notice what they're asking him to do. They're simply asking that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. How did that work? Did Jesus have everybody sit down like we're sitting down in this auditorium and go start walking up and down the aisles reaching for people or are the people moving and Jesus standing still I guess a lot of it would dictate or be dictated by the number of people that there were but they only wanted to touch his garment And we see that it was faith in operation because as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. So it had to be faith in operation that's guiding this, this um, congregant initiated group Look with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, it's literally the word power, 
had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And sayest thou, Who touched me? And they looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Notice when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind to touch his garment. That means what she's heard of Jesus included stories like we just read in Matthew chapter 14 where the multitudes were healed by touching the, the garment of Jesus. She had faith according to Jesus. Jesus said in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Well, the faith that she had had to have come from what she heard of Jesus and the healing ministry that Jesus had. In Capernaum or in the region, uh, including Capernaum, The people come to Jesus, and it might have been as simple as Jesus asking, what do you want me to do for you? Well, their response was, let us touch the hem of your garment. There was something about the healing power of God that saturated the cloak that Jesus was wearing. We don't know much about it other than it was fine enough or well-made enough for the Roman soldiers to gamble for it rather than to tear it into pieces for whatever use somebody could come up with. Kind of flies in the face of the idea that most Christians have of Jesus being a homeless a beggar out on the road. Now we see the multitude in Mark in Matthew chapter 14 that are encouraged in the when the men of that place had knowledge of Jesus. And they asked to just touch the hem of his garment. There presupposes a discovery process, discovery for the people. Jesus probably didn't need the experience to instruct him. But somewhere along the way, from the time that Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a, a bird would fly from the sky, and somehow this operation of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says it landed on Jesus and didn't leave. So somewhere in this process, this development of Jesus' ministry, people discover that by touching him or him touching them, that the power of God was transmitted and brought a healing into their physical bodies. Now as that takes place, or in connection with that taking place, somehow somebody touches his clothes rather than touches him. And so they find out 
Jesus, you don't even have to touch Jesus. Just touching his clothes will trigger the power of God. But now in Mark chapter 5, it's a totally different situation. There's only one person in this multitude, or what his disciples called a multitude. There's only one person that gets anything by touching Jesus. And the multitude, the disciples of Jesus say that they're thronging him. That means they're pushing to get to him or close to him. But regardless of how many people are there, how many people are reaching out to touch him, there's only one person that gets anything from him. That's not the way this is supposed to work. It's supposed to work like Matthew 14. Where everybody that touches him receives the power of God to effect a healing in their bodies. When she had heard of Jesus in the press, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now Jesus said that her faith made her whole. And in this case, we have enough detail to understand what her faith was. Her faith was exercised by the words that she spoke. If I can just touch his garment, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, this word virtue means power. It's the Greek word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. Jesus, immediately knowing himself, the power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. You know, it's, it's good for us that we have the details of this story to help us in operating in the same kind of faith that she did. But I would submit to you that if the story ends with Jesus saying, who touched me? And everybody looking around about to see who had done it, if she had not been discovered, the healing was still hers. The details help us to understand how to operate in these things. But the details didn't have anything to do with the results she got, which was healing for her body. Look with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue, this is the word dynamis, dunamis, that means power, for there went out power out of him and healed them all. 
Here it says that they sought to touch him, not his garments, but it's still physical contact that caused the power of God to be ministered to every person that's there in need of healing. He healed them all. I don't know how many there were, but it was for everyone. Acts chapter 19, verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. The diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. It's interesting how that the Bible seems to place a personality in association with the sickness and disease. Now, I want to compare this Acts chapter 19 opening, those two verses, 11 and 12, but I, I want to go back to Acts chapter 10 and compare these scriptures together. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Again, back to Acts chapter 19, verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. How God anointed and how God wrought. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or apron, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. There were certain cloths and or leather goods, perhaps, that God worked a special miracle. Special miracle could mean something that's never been done before. So that from Paul's body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Folks, we see again the same thing where the power of God saturated through the bodies of Jesus and here in Acts chapter 19, Paul too. The life of God that infused Jesus was transferred into his garment. It saturated the clothing. And then the same thing happens in Acts chapter 19. So that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. John chapter 14. Jesus is with his disciples on the last night before he went to the cross. And he tells them that he's going to leave them for a while. John 14 verse 4, And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? 
He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest not thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than, shall, than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, folks, when we talk about things that are vital and necessary to ministry, the kind of ministry that God has in mind for his people, then the first question we have to ask is this. Who is God going to use to display his healing power? Are these things, these stories, these accounts that we've read, are they just for the disciples? The modern day church world would say yes. But the thing that we have to settle in our understanding once and for all is who Jesus is saying that these things will belong to. The Bible talks about Jesus coming back for a glorious church. But if you examine Jesus' ministry for the glory of God, a great deal of that was directed to those that Jesus is saying will believe on him and come, come after him. And if the glory of God was manifested in Jesus by healing results and healing miracles, then wouldn't God look for the same glorying factor or glorifying evidence today as he did in their days? One of the things Jesus said would follow them that believe in his name was they'd lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Now, if they lay hands on the sick to bring about a recovery from sickness and disease, then that means that from the normal believer, rather than the 12 apostles, that they'll have a measure of the life of God in them just like Jesus had the life of God in him. And that measure of the life of God in Jesus created a power source that saturated his clothes to the, to the point where people didn't even have to touch him. They could just touch his clothes. And then Paul did the same thing, or God did the same thing for Paul, through Paul. And he began to lay hands on cloths or handkerchiefs. And those things were infused with enough power to bring healing to the sick and to remove evil spirits from their lives. I want to read 
some things from the Old Testament about the lives of Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. First Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nimshai shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, or something, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Now Elijah has just experienced the greatest display of the power of God in his life, it's when he calls to the king and to the people and he asks them, why are we serving God and Baal both? Why don't we figure out which one of them is really God and then we'll know who to, who to worship? So the Bible tells us there was a great drought a three-and-a-half-year drought in that part of the country, or that part of the world, really. And they have a contest. They'll both offer a sacrifice on the altar, and they'll call on their God to accept the sacrifice, and the God that answers by fire will be determined to be the Most High God. Well, that turned out to be Jehovah. Fire came down and swallowed up the sacrifice and the altar and the water that was poured around it. But then Jezebel, the queen, the wife of, of Ahab threatens to kill Elijah the next day. And Elijah goes running up into the hills and starts complaining that he's the only one that's left. And God answers that here in these verses that we read. He said, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. So Elijah was on his leadership series. And he anoints those that God directs him to. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from your head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. 
So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said to him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they went to, so they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, for I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there would appear the chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he went and took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the, the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. So we see that the anointing was kept in reserve in the mantle of Elisha, or the mantle of Elijah. This is the same mantle that he's thrown over the shoulders of Elijah, of Elisha, when he was plowing. And plowing with 12 yoke of oxen is an indication that Elisha came from a very wealthy family. But he didn't try to hold on to any of those things. Second Kings chapter 13, verse 20, And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Elisha asked for a double portion of the, the anointing or the empowering of God upon him and in the office of the prophet that he would fulfill. And he took that mantle and beat the waters of the Jordan River there are instances in the Bible where rivers were stopped and Israel crossed over on dry ground. That happened with the deliverance from Pharaoh. But it also happened when Israel went in to take the promised land. And the Bible in both cases gives information so that we know how big an opening was made in the river so that they could cross on dry land. But this is a, uh, an incident that took place and where we've seen the anointing that was saturating cloths or aprons or in Jesus' case his robe Here's a situation where God parted the sea one step at a time. So this funeral party 
sees a scouting force of their enemies and to spare their own lives, they threw this man's body into the cave where Elisha had been buried. And there was enough power, resonant power, in the bones of Elisha to bring this guy back to life. John G. Lake, who was greatly used of God, both in South Africa and also in the northwest part of America, made a statement about the power of God. He said that electricity is God's power in the natural realm, but the Holy Ghost is his power in the spirit realm. Well, we know some things about electricity. And electricity, when used properly, provides light for us. It can provide heating and air conditioning for us. But there are some basic rules that we have to be careful not to cross. Because if you use electricity against the laws of electricity as we understand them. They can cause death. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Here's the power of God that was evident or present on Paul to such a degree that he infused these clothes and handkerchiefs and aprons with such a measure, in such a measure, that it set people free from evil spirits and caused sickness and disease to leave their bodies. If we were able to see beyond the flesh and see ourselves in the spirit realm, I'm pretty well convinced that we'd all be surprised at what things really look like. We have enough evidence to conclude that God sees us and has made us to be individual power plants. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that they would know the greatness of his power that worked in them. He didn't pray for God to give them more power. He prayed for God to show him what power has been given already. Where we started in Zechariah chapter 4. God declares that the hindrances. Which were great. But would not survive or prevail. And keep the. Second temple from being built. 
I like verse 7, though. Who art thou, O great mountain? This is God talking to the, the circumstances or the hindrances. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. God's not saying, before me, you shall become a plain. He says, before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. That's the removing of the mountain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. Here's one operation of faith. is by the shouting of grace. For Zerubbabel to shout grace, grace unto the hindrances and the delays. It activates the Spirit of God, unseen power. If we shout grace as we're challenged by sickness and disease, it's evident that the removal of the sickness and disease is not only included in the grace of God, but is made manifest by the power of the Spirit. Let me close with Matthew chapter 14 again. Verse 34, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Now it doesn't say that when they touched the hem of his garment, Jesus felt power go out of him or virtue as King James says it I would assume that that would be the case but the Bible doesn't necessitate that when the men of that place had knowledge of him boy talking about doing a good work for them to come up with this plan for the benefit of others than themselves. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought into him all that were diseased. Whatever they heard about Jesus had such an impact on them that they came to the conclusion that Jesus had authority over sickness and disease. So they took it upon themselves to bring every sick person they could to Jesus to be ministered to by him. But all it took was touching his garment to make them perfectly whole. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Things like this had to be part of what the woman with the issue of blood had heard of Jesus too. It just says when she heard of Jesus, 
She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. I'm going to teach on healing to the point where every one of us gets tired of hearing it. Don't you want to see the power of God in operation? Don't you want to see people set free from sickness and disease? Folks, we're going to have that. Tough cases or small cases. It's all the same to God. And the same healing power that will handle a tough case will handle the smaller ones too. In the case with the woman with the issue of blood, she was the only person that got anything out of that whole multitude, the multitude that was thronging Jesus. People were bumping into him on every hand from every direction. And in so many places, touching him like that would have resulted in the power of God going from him or out of him into the person who touched him. But that only happened with one person here in Mark chapter 5. Verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Fearing and trembling, What's she afraid of? She's already conquered some outstanding obstacles. She's got the kind of communicable disease that would be considered unclean just like leprosy was. And the law of Moses provided for her to be killed if she had been discovered. She decided she's going to fight through the people to get to Jesus because she had a mission. Her mission was to touch the hem of his garment close enough just to touch him, touch his clothes. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. We're going to look at some of the things that the power of God wrought that God brought to pass and remember Jesus never claimed credit for any of the miracles that took place he always said it was one thing it was the father in him that did the works so there's a place for us to operate in the power of God without taking any credit of of what's, what works are wrought. Beth was talking earlier in the service about purposes and 
motives and such. Our purpose is to see the sick set free and to see the name of Jesus glorified. Now, when we dismiss you today, be careful not to bump into somebody because you're a power plant and they're a power plant. If we could see in the spirit realm, I think there are other things about not just the measure of the power of God that's available to us. But what we have been empowered to do the Bible tells us that it's going to take ages for God to show us the greatness of his power. speaks of the ages to come. Ages to come. Let's pray. Father God, Heavenly Father, We recognize that your work is not just in the natural realm, but the power of God is unseen and it is of the Spirit of God. You said that Zerubbabel would bring forth what you called him to do and that he would do so by shouting grace. Father, we take that same position and we shout grace, grace, grace. To the financial trouble in our lives, we shout grace, Grace, grace to those that are in need of physical healing. We shout grace, grace, grace. Thank you, Father, that by the authority you've given unto us and the word of God you've delivered to us, we see these mountains turn into plains. We see these mountains removed. And they are removed because we shout grace. We bless you, Father. We bless your holy name. Grace. Grace. Thank you for your grace, Father. Your loving kindness toward us. Your provision. We bless you, Father. You watch over your word to perform it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and the even greater things that you are yet to do. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Say it with me. The Lord is with me. Power of God is mine. To every problem we speak, grace, grace, grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exceeding greatness of your power, Father, dwells in us, is transmitted from us. Thank you, Lord, for doing special miracles again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God's word good? Where would we be without his word? Well, have a great day, folks. Thanks for being part of our family.